0: into to the USL show. Small panel today, but we have some exciting uh, guests and I guess full-time members here. Uh, welcome in first and foremost to Ryan, who is the stalwart member of the panel.
1: <laughs> hey John, how are you doing today?
0: Yeah, doing good. I know I've been away for a couple of weeks, so always a relief to be back in the mix. And then what is up to Benton?
2: Hello gang, how are you guys doing? Doing well.
0: Yeah, doing good. Um, were you on last week, Ben? I don't think you were.
2: No, this is yeah. my this is my first time.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. So, I mean, I'm sure if you're a USL fan, you know Ben's work, the Vamos Morados account and website covering all things Louisville, some of the best content you're going to see. So really excited to welcome into the family here.
2: Welcome. I'm excited to talk some soccer. <laughs>
0: um yeah so it's been a really busy week across the various tiers of the usl um i think the first place to start is that aurora tormenta game that saw tormenta come away with the w league title any thoughts there fellas
1: it was a fantastic crowd for uh just minnesota aurora hosting the match but uh just tormenta with the two to one win was certainly an exciting watch yeah, I think overall, it's. I mean, it's pretty exciting
2: to see the 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 league's first season kind of come to a conclusion. It seems like things went went really well, and I'm and I'm pretty optimistic for the uh, for the the women's game under the USL umbrella going forward. So I think that was a it's a, it a pretty cool uh, uh, capstone to the end of that season.
0: Yeah, and to get 6,500 fans out to what's I mean, let's be real, minor league women's soccer unbelievably cool. It was a really exciting game. Um, had that extra time winner for tormenta. And to see an organization that has ties with League One, having the men's side and the women's side. I think it's just a cool story. I think it speaks to the opportunities that the USL provides to let these clubs have an outlet to build a community that involves every facet of soccer fandom in this country. And just to have that kind of thing grow organically and put out the results that we saw across the board with the W league this year is really hardening.
1: It really builds momentum for next season. And if you're looking across to the men's set for Tormenta, they could still very well do a, uh, club double if a few results go their way in league one.
2: And and John, to your, your point before, like I think that's one really cool thing that the USL just in general does is that they've made a very conscious effort to make these these clubs very community-based, which is a little different than than the MLS, which is trying to be much more kind of broad in itself. So you, I, I feel like you get a lot deeper level of investment. And, and like you said, I, season one for uh, for Aurora to be pulling in, like over 6,000 is, is awesome. I expect for those numbers to go up from there. It's a really cool thing to see.
0: And they really got momentum as something of a national media story. I mean, not the most widespread thing, but like when someone like a Jeff Reuter is putting out coverage of this team, he means something in the sphere of American soccer. They really kind of captured the whole zeitgeist of what American soccer is focusing on, which is just so fun. Uh, Elsewhere in the USL landscape. I don't know how much expertise we have in the league two space. But uh, they're getting down to the quarterfinals, uh, the conference finals, I believe, officially. You've got teams like Knoxville, who's coming into League One eventually in the mix. Uh, Flint City, I know, Ballard. So that's exciting. And if either of you have things there.
2: So I haven't got to watch much of it, but I did see the, I mean, just the overall bracket. Like, it was just, it was aggressive. I was really taken back when I saw what that tournament layout was like. It's like March Madness. <laughs> They're putting a lot of teams in the mix. I love it, but it's got to be tough on the teams making it towards the end
1: of that. Yeah, I mean, you have the likes of Des Moines going up against Flint City. It was a disappointing exit for Vermont Green in the last round, but just looking through all those previous round games, of the eight that was played in that round, there were only two shutouts, so you're seeing some of these really high-scoring affairs.
0: Yeah, it's really exciting, and I think much in the same way that the w league is such a big step for the women's game having these league two clubs they're representing smaller communities that don't have the potential for the big time kind of professional soccer side is really fantastic um i caught a little bit of the knoxville game last round these are well supported teams they're well run and it's a really good product on the field
2: yeah, I'm and hoping then, teams like yeah, this go. they become uh that I was just gonna say, I hope they become future breeding grounds for for talent where we kind of see more of a streamline of of guys being able to work their way up through their ranks. I mean, we saw a little bit of of it this year with some guys making the jump from League One to the championship. I'm hoping hoping that eventually League Two can start to really help produce some talent and kind of get this real nice nice ecosystem like you see over in, in Europe. So I'm I'm pretty excited about the, the grassroots developments that were going on there.
1: And you already see a few clubs uh, trying their hand at having a two-team within USL League 2, such as uh, Project 510 out for uh, Oakland was another playoff side this year, which has been fairly successful. So I would love to see a lot more uh, championship and League 1 clubs establish a League 2 affiliate or a League 2 club of their own.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Moving right along to League 1, another interesting round of results there. Um, the headline ceiling game coming into the weekend was that Greenville-Union-Omaha matchup that ended as a nil-to-nil draw, as those things kind of tend to do. Uh, you Not, saw the to only headlining game.
1: Not the only headlining game of the yeah. week that ended nil-to-nil. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: right, and we'll get into that. But um,
0: I think uh, something that I had particular interest in was that Central Valley-Richmond game. And there were two red cards for the kickers, granted, but uh, I mean, a really nice three-to-one margin for Central Valley, who's somewhat picking up momentum. Um, League One, obviously, is kind of the chaos league amidst all of this, but you're kind of seeing a little bit of stratification and a little bit of maybe trends towards the playoff race taking shape. Any thoughts there?
1: That was just their second win at home this season, and it's another... The uh, other win they had at home this year was a three to two win over North Carolina. And just looking at some of the standings that you have right now, you have to go from Richmond down to seventh place. Charlotte just separated by three points, just for how competitive it still is within the league. If you uh, like Greenville and Tucson, notwithstanding it is a very close gap from second down to 10th. Yeah. I'm I'm looking at
2: it right now and that's some crazy level of competition. I'm, I'm glad that they're, that they're keep, certainly keeping things interesting going on down there in the um, in League One.
0: Yeah, North Carolina, by the way, I, I think winless in five, if I'm remembering correctly. Really alongside struggling. Tucson. Yeah, which, I mean, you never really want to be alongside Tucson in much of anything <laughs> in terms of League One. Um, But I guess uh, just transitioning here, You saw uh, a certain Winder brother recalled from Tucson to Louisville. And that was, I mean, he was less the big storyline, but certainly that Phoenix Louisville game was a big deal last week. Any thoughts there, Benton, as the kind of man on the ground?
2: So I got a lot of thoughts. (laughs) But uh, uh, for short, I'm going to preface it that I obviously have a a certain level of bias for Louisville, but I try to definitely keep that in check. Two things that kind of frustrated me about the encounter was, one, the scheduling side of things. If this is a marquee sort of matchup, don't you want both teams kind of coming in on, on level level grounds, level playing field? The fact that Louisville City was coming off a short rest against a tough uh, a tough 901 team it, when Phoenix having extended rest, that, that bothered me a little bit. Again, probably a little bit biased judgment. Um, and the other part that, that kind of got to me at that matchup is how much time the phoenix players were, were spending on the ground like i get it was really hot and like really humid um and, and maybe at certain points it was, it was a tactical decision to throw off the flow but it just kind of i don't know it's it seemed to to uh hinder louisville's abil- uh, ability to kind of get things going and again so maybe that's why it was a tactical decision but it's just kind of annoying to watch and doesn't make for, for good tv but now that i get that all that bias out of the way um but, you know, props to Phoenix. They they came ready to play. They were in desperate need for a result, and maybe had a little bit of a chip on their shoulder from 2018. It ended up being pretty exciting matchup. Uh, they they really tested Louisville, um, and, and I mean I think coming out of there with a draw has to feel really good, all
1: things considered, for them. Yeah, and you're looking at a Phoenix Rising team who actually got two draws this week uh, as they followed that up with a 0-0 result against the Sacramento team, who admittedly might be preparing for an open cup semifinal tomorrow. But these were two results that Louisville or sorry, Phoenix certainly needed to get, and they come up against one that's a certain playoff team and another one that I would say is a more likely than not playoff team.
0: Yeah, from the Phoenix perspective there. Obviously, it's a team that's been sputtering a bit um, at the point now. They've not won a game in eight matches. I was interested that they came out with that forward line that had Richmond Antwi, Lamine Jhane, and I think uh, Hurst was maybe the third one there, which he was. by by no means is their regular starting lineup. And Jhane and Antwi, who are players without a ton of pedigree in this league, really came out looking bright. They've challenged Louisville with the speed. And to my taste, Shantz's decision to take off the entire forward line at halftime really changed the momentum. It uh, provided less of a threat. It let Louisville really take control of the game. I think if you have a lesser keeper than Ben Lunt in goal, you're probably looking at three points for Louisville City there.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, in, in some regards it was a little frustrating but in other regards like i almost feel like a fair uh, it was a, a draw was a fair result at the end of the day um yeah i'm glad that louisville did much better in the second half it's weird if you if you watch their, their uh their games very much a second half team and and i don't know maybe the substitutions contributed to, that, to a bit but um i mean they did what they needed to do to keep balls out of the out of the net and and they got a few dangerous looks of their own but thankfully uh you know Kyle Morton who who we now have back thankfully did an outstanding job on on keeping things out on our end so i mean yeah nil nil draws are are not exactly the uh, most fun thing to watch but i still thought it was a very uh, a very good match and you know ended up being more exciting than it might have looked like going into it given how
1: phoenix has performed this season I mean, yeah exactly like- so Looking back at results, Louisville still riding a fairly nice uh, unbeaten run that goes all the way back to June 5th against uh, Tampa Bay. Yeah, that Tampa's are Tampa's are boogie man. Got they got us a little,
2: a little, angry after that one, and we've we've went on a tear. And and you know, looking forward, we'll be playing uh, you know at El Paso this weekend. So that'll be a good test for the team. But I'm pretty confident they'll be able to keep
1: that unbeaten unbeaten streak alive. In these next four games, uh, with uh, not without Charleston, you have basically El Paso and then you host Tampa Bay and then take a trip up to Detroit, which could do a lot for just deciding who's going to get that just number one and number two seed here in the Eastern Conference, especially since Louisville and Tampa Bay has certainly uh, separated themselves, not only in just the standings, but also in my ELO ratings as well. Yeah, that's, that's going to be a really big one. In fact, the club's
2: uh, really really pushing ticket sales for that game in particular, making it, it's going to be a blackout Uh, from what I I, I don't have exact numbers, but I wouldn't be shocked if it's an attendance record for, so they're trying to build up as much of an atmosphere and give us as much of an edge um, in that matchup. So that one's going to be tough. And then the Detroit match, I mean, we're going up to their home on like mid, I think it's no, it's a weekend match. Excuse me. It overlaps with the, uh, the women's cup. So I know that's a issue for a lot of local fans here, but that's going to be a real big test. I mean, they were, uh, I mean, they were no pushovers at all when we saw them uh, in the Open Cup. So that one uh, definitely circled on the calendar.
0: Yeah, um, speaking of Detroit, they just signed a player today out of the A-League in Australia, Cy Goodard. Um, Tottenham product in terms of his youth um, it seems to be pretty successful. Detroit's sort of in this interesting scenario depth-wise where They're very thin. They came into the season with a thin roster. They just lost Billy Forbes. They've had a lot of injuries. I'm not necessarily sold on him as a piece that's going to make or break things, but um, it's been a really uh, active stretch across the USL in terms of trades and transfers. And, um, I mean, heck, we just invoked Tampa playing against Louisville. They made what I think could end up being a really impactful trade with Indy 11, that saw Nikki Law moving down to Tampa Bay in exchange for Juan Tejada.
2: Yeah, that was that was a really uh, a really interesting move. I, I thought, and I, I, I guess I can see it where it working for both sides. Just, I don't know. Who do you think? Do you think somebody got the the better of that deal? I mean, it almost feels like that Nicky Law. What is he like? Thirty six and then he's the there, hot, yeah. He, yeah he's he's pretty young I, I i'm almost inclined in the in the long run it's a little maybe a little more beneficial for for indy perhaps but uh i mean maybe it's that short term play exactly what they're going for they're they're trying to take themselves from good to great yeah and, i mean
1: mm-hmm. the for yeah go ahead ryan Uh, Indy really needs to start turning things around. I mean, they're finding themselves nine points out of a playoff spot, winless in their last five. And that's something that only RGV and Phoenix have also managed of not getting a win in any of their last five games.
0: Yeah, it's been a really challenging stretch for Indy in terms of their attack. And I think that was the primary motivation for the move where Tata isn't a natural goal scorer, but he's someone who constantly is running, constantly is active in the press, and he showed that making the start. Whereas I think if there's been an issue for Indy in the midfield and their defense a lot of the time this season, it's been that they're just slow. It's been that they're disorganized. And Nicky Law is very intelligent, can play a great pass. He's not going to be helping you with a slowness problem at the advanced age that he's at. So it's really kind of like a kick in the butt, at a little bit of an energy thing for Indy. But I think he slots in so nicely to a Tampa side where they control possession, they're pinning you back, and Law doesn't necessarily have to be the guy who's running all the way from box to box, being an active defender.
2: Yeah, certainly certainly an interesting move. I still like how... I, I know that soccer is very much more of a... like. That doesn't really do as many trades, but I do kind of like that element is still kind of alive and well within the, uh, the, uh, the USL ecosystem. Makes for some interesting discussions
1: and moves. I can't wait till we introduce Gaon. <laughs> <laughs> Good old Garber Bucks.
0: <laughs> Indies actually, that was their, I think, second trade of the season. They had made the Noah powder for Sean Lewis, and then they did another trade this week. So they're really wheeling and dealing at this point.
2: I mean, um, Indy fans. Just to, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, indie fans have to appreciate. I know things haven't been going as they might have expected coming in the season, but I think they have to appreciate that the team is is very act proactively trying to to write things. Uh, I mean, I know that we have a rivalry with Indy, but I think I think the league is better when teams like Indy are are a better side. So I hope that they you know can hold up, hold up their end of the bargain and keeping that uh, that lipo rivalry alive. Um, so I, I would like to see them turn that that corner because I sure had high hopes with uh, with all the changes they had made.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, just kind of pivoting to a more general, open ended uh, segment of the show. Now, we always do, of course, the told you told you so's, the things you called. So Ryan, anything that you missed on or you hit on that you'd want to highlight?
1: I guess I'll start with um, I. The Told You So's were the uh, pair of draws that I predicted with uh, Phoenix picking up the draw against Sacramento, which I think you also predicted, and then uh, Detroit getting a draw against New Mexico, which I thought was pretty interesting, uh, just considering how uh, well New Mexico has been over the past few weeks and just how good they've been away from home. They have six wins on the year. But for Detroit to just pick up the 2-2 draw against them this past week was a fairly decent result that keeps Detroit pretty much in the heart of that kind of playoff conversation in the East and just a result away from uh, going back up into a home playoff game.
0: Yeah. And I don't know if either caught that one. I was surprised to see how in control Detroit looked the whole time. They sold out Keyworth for it. And that's a tough ask to be going from New Mexico to Detroit, certainly. But even with that thin roster, City played their game in the 3-5-2. I mean, they overwhelmed New Mexico down the middle of the pitch a lot of the time. I thought it was a really strong game from Reese Williams and Declan Wynn out wide as well. They're lacking in that forward department, certainly, where, I mean, stylistically, Antoine Hopano isn't that kind of number nine who's going to be getting in the box and scoring constantly. Pato is a good physical player and hold up, but he doesn't have that kind of poachers instinct. I think he has the capability, though, so maybe the good move uh, allows him to do that. But overall, just reflecting on the weekend, it was a little bit weak for New Mexico. I think they're a little bit lucky to get that draw and heartening stuff for Detroit City.
2: I love how we're getting more and more of these East versus uh, West Coast matchups. Been wanting for years, but now that we're actually kind of seeing that more interject in the schedule, makes things a lot more fun. I hate it just seeing seeing those matchups just at the you know, and the championship match.
1: Yeah, I mean, for a while when you didn't have any of these interleague games, or you'd have like one or two years, they would um, both conferences would almost be treated as if they were separate leagues. You would see separate play styles and separate strategies against each other. And now you get a lot more of this kind of comparison across uh, both conferences. And it might even get you a few results that surprise you, which would be the one that I. Uh, had missed this week was uh Colorado Springs getting a three to three draw, a high scoring result against uh Charleston this past weekend. As for the second time this year, the battery pick up their uh, second consecutive game with uh, at least points.
0: Yeah, and if you think about the battery, they had a little bit of a heater a couple weeks ago, um, early June, really, where they got a result of a really good win against Pittsburgh. They got a draw against Tampa Bay. And then Andrew Booth got hurt and they look completely rudderless for a couple weeks. Move to a back three, bring in a uh, wing back from Austin on loan. And suddenly their offense looks competent again. It's activated Augustin Williams in a really strong way where he got two absolute bangers against the switchbacks. Charleston isn't good per se, but it's nice to know that the East isn't just complete garbage outside of the playoff field.
2: Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Colorado Springs has, has had a bit of injury issue recently, correct? Yeah. One substitute
1: in uh, their last game, not Charleston, but yeah, yeah
0: they've, had, I, they've had COVID issues and yeah.
1: Yeah. It's tough. It's, yeah, it's, it's thanks to
2: see a, a team like that tumble for, for, for reasons other than their, their play itself. But uh, you know, they still got plenty of time to, to play catch up on on some of those missed
1: opportunities. And at the very least, they I don't believe throughout the rest of the year, they have another one of those really short turnarounds of, I think, like a Friday-Sunday or a Friday-Monday scheduling anymore. Oh yeah, they yeah, had that the tough stuff too. I forgot about that. That was all throughout uh, July, which uh, at least for them is now over. And I think the shortest rest they would have would be like a Friday, Wednesday and remainder.
0: Yeah, really brutal stretch for them for sure. Um, just circling back to maybe some things that I called and, and or missed. Uh, I mean, not to focus on Indy again, but I thought Memphis was going to play them off the pitch. And I think to be fair, Memphis did play them off the pitch, but they didn't get the results. For me, even if it wasn't a win for Memphis, it kind of affirmed that they're probably for real in this race in the Eastern Conference, say what you will, either way on Detroit and maybe Birmingham, it feels like you could pitch me on Memphis or Pittsburgh as part of like a really solid top four with Louisville and Tampa.
1: And for the majority of uh, this season, it had only been very lately with uh, Tampa Bay. Memphis was a top two team in my ELO ratings alongside Louisville. Whichever team would draw them in the uh, playoffs right now, currently that would be uh, Kalis Birmingham. As of the uh, current standings, that's going to be a tough out for whoever's going to be uh, drawn as the number six team against them. And any semifinal if they advance is going to be very difficult.
2: Yeah. A lot of, a lot of respect for, for what Memphis has been doing that, uh, the turnaround they've made from, from last season, this season, like I, I think that uh, Ben been Ben uh nomination for, I guess the, the mid-year coach of the year is, is totally warranted. Um, I mean, they play, they played Louisville well. It was a, it was a tough game. <laughs> the boys had their own all three of those points. They put everything they could to get into that. Um, so the CM kind of draw Indy is a, a little bit of a surprise, but I mean, they're pretty comfortable in the playoff picture. So it's more of a matter of, of where they're going to fall on that, that seating and, and match up against.
0: Yeah, most definitely. Uh, Benton, did you have any results East or West that surprised you over the weekend?
2: Um, the bit, I mean the, one of the, the bigger ones to me was that, that Memphis draw, you know, kind of looking at things on paper, kind of felt like that might be a, a comfortable win they didn't get the results but you know those things happen sometimes you know things don't don't fall your way a lot of the other results kind of fell in line with what I would have expected. I guess the uh, the Legion versus Tulsa match kind of caught me off guards a little bit Um, you know maybe not as lopsided of an affair as I would have thought going in but uh, 2-0 loss for the Legion I I probably wouldn't have had that one written down so that's a little little disappointing I'm sure Kyler is a little uh, heartbroken over that one (laughs)
0: He was kind of raging about it on Twitter. I mean, having watched a decent portion of the game, I kind of thought Birmingham didn't play that poorly. But, I mean, if you just saw Kayler's Twitter feed, he was pretty aghast at the performance. And it had been a while since they'd got a game at Protective Stadium, so maybe he was just expecting more. This is a Tulsa team in pretty good form right now. They've, for my eyes, solved a lot of the defensive issues that it's like them. And given that Miami can't seem to ever string results together that effectively, I think they've got a real shot at coming at that last playoff spot.
2: Yeah. I was going to ask you about that. Cause I remember a, a, a while ago you had tweeted something to the fact that the playoff field is pretty much locked. And then, yeah. then Tulsa got a few results and you're like, I might need to revisit that one. So <laughs> you gotta, you gotta love them throwing a wrinkle into things and, and keeping things interesting.
1: And not just that, you're looking at the Western Conference right now, which between New Mexico in fourth and the Oakland Roots in ninth is just separated by seven points. Yeah, it's another
2: another tight one. I was writing about um, I was writing about El Paso. What to expect for that matchup when Louisville City takes them again this weekend? I mean, this this the last two losses that they got really really hurt them point wise. But yeah, I mean, they still can can totally claw their way back up to to fourth. I mean third might be a little bit of a stretch, but yeah, I mean, they could, they could fall anywhere in that lower, lower portion of the playoff
1: field. I think what's what's helpful with uh, Tulsa as well, just to circle back to them is of their remaining games, seven of them are against teams that are below them currently in points and the ones that are above them if you uh, would just be the Louisville, Detroit, uh, Pittsburgh, and then a very crucial one on August 10th against their direct uh, playoff rival in Miami.
0: Yeah, when I was, I put out a thread or something where I invoked Tulsa and uh, I had Sam Dorr, who's the president of Tulsa and a couple of the Miami beat writers really focusing on that game as something that's just going to be crucial down the stretch. Miami is such a curious team this season because, on paper, they should be dynamite. Paco Craig in defense. I mean, Callum Chapman Page is underrated. Mark Segbers was brought in. They've got Speedy Williams in the middle, Belo Etinode. This is an all star team. You can make an argument in terms of the roster. And then they're barely eking out wins against Loudon. They never look like they have it together on offense. Maybe there's a point in the season where they get it together. And I really have liked what Anthony Pulis has done tactically with this side. I think he's been flexible and fluid and tried to fit players into uh, positions that would be advantageous. And they never grab the game by the scruff of the neck. So they're one of the more frustrating teams for me this year.
2: I mean, that seems like a reoccurring thing with Miami. They, they spend a bunch of money. They, they get, a, they get a, what seems like on paper, a pretty awesome roster. And then they just... Are just, I mean, okay at best. I mean, I like clearly kind of underperforming on what they could be. I don't know that I I have the solve for them, but it's just weird that this this seemingly keeps happening. I mean, they got. I mean, they have known winners on, on that on that roster.
1: And it's something to be said for uh, just like Detroit. Just how important team cohesion is that you can build as talented of a roster as you can. But if you have a team who's really built together in a system. And that's going to be a fairly successful club on the year, even if the talent level isn't necessarily to the level a team would be expected to perform at. That that reminds me of Cincinnati when they were making
2: the move from the USL to the uh, MLS, how there was a, a lot of hindsight bias. It's like, boy, we wish we just kept that old squad together from the USL and let them have a crack at things versus the the build they tried to do initially that very clearly did not work. Cohesion. I mean, is that kind of unwritten factor something you can't really see in that in the stat sheet as much?
0: No, there's something to be said for it for sure. It's really vital. And um, speaking of a team that's not had a lot of cohesion lately, we invoked them a minute ago. But El Paso, with that one to nothing loss uh, to San Antonio, and they've had the drama of Sebastian Velasquez going back to Israel, and then the Richie Ryan story where. He seemingly fell out with the coaching staff over his contract renegotiations. And then uh today, there was a reconciliation. He was back on the training pitch and is going to be available at the weekend.
1: Interesting. And I missed that development. Not a moment too soon as you have Louisville, Colorado Springs, and San Diego over uh, three of the next four games.
2: Yeah, especially considering, again, like we mentioned this before, those last two losses kind of really open things up as far as the standing goes there you know what level of comfort that they might have had is quickly evaporated so they need results
0: yeah they um had brought in a player named liam rose from the a league uh, and he filled in for ryan at the weekend he knew their manager john hutchinson from when he was in australia and he was good but richie ryan is richie ryan at the end of the day he even at his age is one of the smartest positional defenders that you can get as a holding midfielder like endlessly comfortable on the ball in any situation el paso is weird their roster is thin because of injuries and players just kind of leaving on a whim they still feel like a team with dylan Mares and eric calvillo and the talent they've got that can make a run down the stretch and the west is tough and i don't see them necessarily pulling it off but that's a really talented squad and it's a shame that they've had the issues they've had.
1: And one thing to keep an eye on, sorry, go ahead. No, you go. I was just going to say one thing to keep an eye on with El Paso is that them alongside Oakland roots have played the most games in the league so far. Everyone around them. Like if you take in particular, New Mexico and Las Vegas have three games in hand over them.
2: That's a, I mean, that's a good observation, but I mean, Yeah, I was just I was coming through their their roster earlier. Particularly, I mean, it seems like they got depth as long as they can get in that playoff field. I mean, it could be one of those teams that play spoiler, no matter what seed they end up in.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I did want to circle around to a couple of questions that we got on the Twitter feed, and lots of it focused on the Open Cup, or uh, rather on the Western Conference. But we'll start with Sacramento and the Open Cup. So, um, just generally, looking for how are we feeling about that game against SKC tomorrow, and do we think that just the hangover from the Open, no matter what happens, is going to affect the Republic as they try to solidify themselves in the playoffs?
2: So, I mean, yeah, there's probably going to be some level of hangover, but you, you, especially at this stage, you you got to go for it. You just got to embrace it, and know it's coming, like you, you, you don't get this opportunity that often as far as their chances. It's going to be tough. I mean, some of these earlier matchups, you might not be getting the, the best from, from the MLS sides, but now at this stage in the game, I mean, there's uh, there's CONCACAF uh, implications here for them, and Sporting Kansas City certainly wants in that mix, so they're going to get the best shot from them. You know, I'm I'm, I'm all behind uh, Sacramento and the USL play an upset. Let's get that Cinderella story. Let's get them in that mix, get them in the finals. I think that would be a lot of fun, but it's going to be a real big challenge.
1: Yeah. And if you're looking at a a sporting Kansas city team, who's interestingly just like not in the most stellar form within MLS, it's just been more of a struggling year. I mean, obviously they had the uh, 2-0 being played off the park game against LAFC with uh, Bales Goal, but you have to go all the way back to a July 9th to find their last victory, which was against Montreal. And even then prior to that, if you uh, take away their uh, quarterfinals win against Omaha, well, you have to go back to the 19th of June to find their last victory uh, beyond that Montreal game. So it's still it's there for the taking to have a result out of that game for Sacramento to advance to the final.
0: Yeah. And obviously I do, uh, some of the scouting work with Sacramento. So I've watched a fair bit of SKC. You've got that kind of four, one, four, one system. They're moderately possessive. They're not very good building out of the back, everything for them offensively depends on what they get out of the wings. If you compare that to LA in the last round, it was a galaxy side that was best when they could engage the center of the pitch, get the ball into the feet of their forwards which totally played into what Sacramento does with their back three, with three outstanding center backs. This is a little bit of a scarier matchup. I think the formula to success once again is going to be goading Sporting Kansas City forward into the attacking half and striking on the counter, finding Douglas Martinez, streaking down the wing and getting the supporting runs down the middle. I think SKC is going to bring it. I'm not as confident about a result for the Republic as I was last time, but I think even the fact that they're here is a big deal and they're going to go for it. You saw that lineup they put out against Phoenix about as weak of a team as they could possibly have fielded multiple teenagers making their debuts. So it's just going to be an interesting balance for them, win or lose going forward in the league, I think.
1: And I mean, just to, uh, find like another comparison behind them. You can look at uh, FC Cincinnati in 2017, who made the semifinals pretty famously on their run as well. But if you look at just how they compared within the league, they basically went to a sixth place finish. If you're in the Eastern Conference that year, at the end of the season, they picked up results against uh, New York Red Bulls to Charlotte and Toronto FC two before they exited the playoffs uh, three nil in the first round of Tampa Bay. So there is such thing as that they could be a hangover for Sacramento looking just past this result. Yeah. I mean, look, looking at this one in
2: particular though, like here's how I think of it. Like that what, what do they have to, to lose in this one? They're the lower league team. If they do lose, they were, you know, supposed to lose to, to them. So um, yeah, but I do hope they come out and give Kansas city the, the best shot that they can. And I, you know, I'm hoping a little bit that maybe Kansas City underestimates them a, a little bit, tries to get a little too aggressive, and they can capitalize on it. But uh, it's the magic of the cup. Anything can happen.
1: And yeah, oddly that enough, that about it. 2017 uh, U.S. Open Cup game uh, also featured sporting Kansas City in the semifinal, but they're in the opposite one uh, against uh, San Jose as the Cincinnati lost the Red Bulls that season.
0: Um, just looking at another question we got in terms of how disappointing Orange County has been this season, and it might be a poorly timed question as they went out at the weekend and just smashed LA Galaxy two five to two. Milan Alaski uh, got the Player of the Week nod. I do think I had just written about this in Backfield where this team completely has lost their identity in terms of being a stout defense obviously Ronaldo Damas is gone how are we feeling about OC given that yeah they're pretty far behind but they're not totally out of it in the playoffs just given how open the west is
2: I mean yeah they're te- I mean yeah they technically can still make it in there but they got I mean they have, they have a bit of a, a little bit of a hill to climb, and they got. Not only do they have to earn some results, but I think they also need to, to pray some that uh, some, they get a little help externally. So I don't know. I'm not. I'm not very optimistic about their chances. I mean, I guess statistically, they're still, still possible to do that. Uh, it's. I mean, it's obviously been disappointing. I think all around for their their whole season's performance. It was one match when when they came to play Louisville City. I had that circle on the counter the start of the season, but by the time it rolled around. It's not nearly a big deal.
1: (laughs) I mean, looking at their schedule now, they have a four-match homestand, but it might very well be the toughest remaining schedule in the league right now. I mean, their four-match homestand is San Diego, Colorado Springs, Phoenix, Las Vegas, but then they still have to play Tampa Bay, Memphis. That was then just uh, six games in a row. They have trips to Sacramento, Pittsburgh, El Paso, and San Antonio as well. That's a really tough ask to go through and start picking up results when they are eight points behind uh, the playoff line. Yeah. So
2: take this for what it's worth. Five thirty-eight is giving orange County a whopping 7% chance to make the playoffs. I know they're not perfect. Yeah, my but my they... model has
0: them at five. My model has them at 5%, but All right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think you two are probably a, a lot closer to it uh, than, uh, than some might want to admit there, but, yeah, it's a, like I said, very, uh, very steep uphill climb.
0: At the same time, very worth watching because Milan Oloski is insanely good at this sport. Like, I, I was sort of just watching back a little bit of the film today. I didn't quite realize how right-footed he is, and it doesn't affect him negatively at all because he is one of the most clever movers and dribblers in this league. So yeah, if you're looking for some late night entertainment, uh, whenever your East Coast games end, check out OC. One more question to hit on, though. Uh, I thought this one was a fun one. So thinking about Las Vegas and then LA Galaxy, who is more important to those teams succeeding, Danny Trejo or Preston Judd? And I'll start out just saying statistically, if you look at like the on-off numbers, so how the team performs goal difference wise with the players on uh, versus with them off, Trejo has a little bit of an edge. And I do think I would lean Trejo. There was a stretch early in the year where Judd just missed a couple games and LA really didn't miss a beat. Whereas Las Vegas is so dependent on those quick counterattacks through Trejo but I would be curious to see if either of you had thoughts there.
1: I think, yeah, you have to go with uh, Trejo just as we were talking at the early portion of the year. There are just there are stretches where they just looked like a uh, night and day difference of a team when uh, Trejo is playing for the lights and when he isn't. Uh, so i would I would say Trejo is probably the more important player to his side. Uh, despite Preston Judd having uh, more goals for uh, the Galaxy 2 this season. Yeah, I guess when you
2: when you look at holistic performances and, and what they're adding to the squad, I think there's a, a slight edge there, but you know, not to take away from, from Preston uh, Judd and, and what he's done with the LA Galaxy 2.
0: Yeah, he's completely unbelievable. I know I posted a couple weeks ago um, some of the numbers on, I believe it was touches per shot. And Judd takes like three touches for every shot that he gets, which is far and away one of the lowest rates in the league. Like he's just a poacher; he knows exactly where he needs to be. But Trejo brings you something else dynamically, and Bill, that I think is so vital.
2: Yeah, more maybe. Um, I don't not not as any sort of slate against Judd, but maybe a more a complete
1: player.
0: Yeah, def- I would definitely agree with that.
1: And if you're looking at American soccer and uh Analysis just for the difference of goal score to their XG Trejo is the second in USL championship right now with only Milan Alosky, uh, in front of him.
0: Yeah, sounds about right. So that's all we had in terms of questions, and I think we'll go ahead and move on to the prediction round of things. So, Benton, obviously not part of the formal prediction competition, but we'll get you in here with just picking some results.
2: You want me to pick all the results, or just pick a pick a handful?
0: Uh no, we'll just have you go along with everything. Okay. So, yeah, off the dome, certainly, but it'll
2: be <laughs> <good>. <laughs> all <laughs> right. First up, you got the Birmingham Legion versus Loudon. I think Birmingham. No, you no, no. We got a,
0: we got a we, we got the list.
2: Oh. Oh. Okay. Sorry. Official, yeah, so, yeah. Just uh, yeah. K-Low go of we'll live. Um, this is yeah, this this is my first time here, guys. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, you're good. You're good. No <laughs> So we've got yeah, Indy eleven against the Rowdies, which is um, an interesting matchup. But how you feeling, Ryan,
1: to start out? Tampa Bay just uh, five wins in a row. I think uh, I'm going to pick them as my lock to win this one. Uh, Indy still has a lot to get sorted out, but Tampa Bay with a result today or this weekend lock. Yeah. Yeah. Far, how you uh, feeling
0: there?
2: Yeah, I mean. I'd be sh- I'd be shocked if Tampa didn't win. A draw would be shocking to me. <laughs> so uh definitely going with Tampa on that one.
1: Yeah,
0: I I'm with Ryan on this. I went rowdies and for the sake of the prediction competition, I went lock on the rowdies. I Indy maybe looked like they had some signs of life against Memphis, but Tampa isn't gonna lose this game. Like I mean I think it's pretty safe to say <laughs> Um, A more interesting game, though, is the Pittsburgh Riverhounds taking on FC Tulsa in a game of two teams in pretty good form.
1: Pittsburgh's certainly happy to be uh, back at home. You have to go all the way back to June 25th to find the last time they lost at home, which was to Tampa Bay. But interestingly, uh, I always think back to that 43 win they had over Tulsa back in April at the start of the season. And obviously, both teams are in definitely very different situations from that game to where they are Uh, now, but I'm going to say Pittsburgh as another team uh, who's still unbeaten in their last five. I think they'll uh, get a slight win this weekend. Yeah, I'm going to go with Pittsburgh
2: as well. I think they're in a bit more stable position. I know Tulsa's kind of been turning things around, but I I think this is going to be a little bit of a speed bump for them.
0: Yeah, um, Pittsburgh had a dominant performance against Hartford at the weekend that didn't really show up on the score sheet and they had to have a late comeback. But I think bringing Robbie Mertz back to that squad is unbelievably huge. He's one of the better players in the entire league. Tulsa's good. I love what their defense has done, but I've got Pittsburgh winning this one. I just think they're too much at the moment. Um, I'm cursing Taylor for picking this awful matchup but we've got Loudon against Monterey
1: next. He loves having just uh, these results. I mean, we picked uh, Monterey against uh, Baby Bulls last week, yeah. but uh, <laughs> considering the start of the year, uh, you know, we were uh, we had Loudon as our people's champion, but Monterey <laughs> Bay is now uh, four games unbeaten, and I'm not sure many of us would have picked him to have a chance to have five consecutive games without a loss this season. And I think that's something they will accomplish this week as they pick up a win against Loudon.
2: Yeah, I'm. I'm going to go say Monterey Bay. I think the the case on why they're I guess so low in the standings and look so bad by by a lot of metrics is this. Is, I mean, they're a brand new team. They're still trying to figure things out, and and they've really I think since found a, a bit more of a groove. And I think they're they're above Loud in the pecking order. So I'm going to go with them.
0: If you think about those games where Monterey looked truly awful, they were missing both of their starting two center backs. They've got them. Hunter Gorski has come in and been really uh, solidifying in that midfield and in that defensive line. They've got a little bit of spunk offensively. I know the game's in Virginia, but I've got Monterey winning this one. Uh, Moving on from that, we've talked about the matchup a little bit, but El Paso-Louisville.
1: Louisville's... Definitely feel the pressure of Tampa Bay just breathing down their necks there at the top of the table, and they will want to continue to hold on to that top spot. Opal with their uh, most uh, two recent results being losses and just one, one, one win in their last five, I think Louisville will pick up the win here. Yeah, Um
2: again, some bias showing, but I'm, I'm confident that if Louisville City goes there and plays their game. They can come out with a win. Um, I'm not looking past them at all, though. I, I certainly think that they'll they'll be a challenge. Um, you know, I mean, they need a result after after those two past losses, so they're they're certainly going to be be motivated. But I, I just think, I think Louisville City has is more more talent and, and more reason to win. But but it'll be close. It'll be a good affair. Good one for the neutrals.
0: Yeah, I had, I took Louisville here as well. I think that El Paso's defense being as unstable as it has been recently is going to be alive with Brian Ownby and Mushka running at them. This is just such a strong Louisville team that I feel bad picking up against them at any point. So that was the thing for me. Yeah. And um, we could, I mean, over, yeah, go
2: ahead. I was just going to say, we could also see the return of a, a Cameron Lancaster. I haven't gotten a, an update on him, but with this extended yeah. break, you got to think that, that he might be in the running to, to make the eighteen. Don't don't see him starting, but certainly come off the bench and be a problem.
0: See, this is why we bring you in for the nice Louisville intel because I had no idea.
2: <laughs> yeah, he said, "I mean, it's just that nagging groin pull." I, I expect him back a while ago, but with how much rest they had, I'll be shocked if he's if he's not in the in the eighteen at this point. Nothing official. This is purely me going going off the guess, but
0: <laughs> yeah, love it. Um, moving fully over to the West now, we've got that maybe semi-hot Orange County team taking on San Diego
1: Oil. Yeah, it's a uh, San Diego team who, Dose uh, loss notwithstanding, has just been on fire lately. I without the low Angeles loss you have to go back to June 19th against Las Vegas to find the last time that they took a defeat and I do wonder if their eyes will be more so on next week's game against San Antonio who which could see them if results go their way go level on points with them but I think San Diego continues their good run of form gets a win and really puts the pressure on San Antonio headed in the next headed into next week.
2: Yeah, I'm gonna also pick the uh, the San Diego loyal. I mean, they're a, they're a good squad. I I don't expect for them to to drop anything against Orange County. I think they can get it done.
0: Yeah, San Diego is playing really well. They got a two to one win against RGB that we didn't talk about, where they basically kind of played a half strength squad and looked pretty comfortable winning. And I see them repeating the trick against Orange County. Uh, we've got a matchup of two teams that are struggling a little bit, and surprisingly so, with Phoenix taking on the Colorado Springs switchbacks.
1: Yeah, this was arguably the toughest game to try and pick this weekend. If you would ask me like before just kind of the injury issues that Colorado Springs have been going through, you would almost want to back the switchbacks to kind of win this game and do so convincingly. Lead, but uh, just seeing how poorly they've been over the past uh, five games with just one win in the last five, I feel like it could be something that they would struggle. In. And, and I'm going to say a shock draw out of this one. I thought you were going to pick
2: somebody and I was going to sound like different picking a draw myself. Fall news tough because I had the same thoughts as you. <laughs> yeah. I think this is a draw. You got Phoenix who are actually rising for once. And then the switchbacks, which yeah, they've had their, their woes. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, the Phoenix fans aren't going to want one point. they want they won all three, but uh, it could be a, a, could be a nice nice little get for them, all things considered.
0: Yeah, I struggled with this one a little bit, but I went switchbacks. Phoenix, when they struggle, it's because their full backs and center backs don't know how to position relative to one another. Haji Berry, Michigalina are going to eat that alive. So this is too high power to switchbacks team to lose this game, I feel like. And that made me pick Colorado Springs. Uh, we've got a slate of League One games, of course, to cover. First of which is Charlotte Independence taking on the Fuego of Central
1: Valley. I'm going with uh, Charlotte in this one. It still seems like it's just kind of been uh, very competitive within League One right now. And a win for Charlotte would bring them back above the playoff line and above Fuego. So I think they could get a result this weekend to just really make it interesting here in the playoff race.
2: Oh boy, that's um that's a tough one. I'm gonna go with the uh the Richmond kickers. I think they get it done. They, they mean- I'm sorry, where were we you-
1: uh charlotte versus uh
2: fuego oh i am looking at the wrong one i'm sorry (laughs) you're good yeah okay no um that's a tough one i'm gonna go with uh i think this one's gonna be a draw
0: okay fair enough i went uh charlotte here i think the travel is a big deal like going from fresno to charlotte is tough Fuego did get that nice win against Richmond in the last round, but I kind of trust the Charlotte team. I think that they have underplayed what some of those underlying numbers are saying for them, and I think they're going to get a result. And then um, staying in terms of the kind of North Carolina, South Carolina dynamic, we've got Greenville taking on
1: Tormenta. I will say I do not think uh, this game will be another five to five thriller like we had a few weeks ago. (laughs) I'd love that. It'd be uh, exciting and completely on brand for league one to have another chaotic game. But despite Tormenta being the last team to beat the Greenville Triumph at home in the league, I think Greenville gets the job done, continues to extend their lead atop the uh, league.
2: Yeah, I think it's a a tall ask for anybody to, to trump the triumph. So I'm going to, go with the uh the current league leaders
0: yeah make it three for three i think that greenville is going to come out frustrated after that nil nil draw with omaha they were the better side in that game for my taste and uh, they're going to want to prove that they're still the class of the league even with some games in hand so go on greenville moving from that though we've got forward madison taking on northern colorado
1: for reference uh forward madison is currently drawing nil to nil against uh, union omaha in the 85th minute just to keep that in mind for uh how they might approach this game this weekend but yeah it, it this will end off a three match home stand here for forward madison before they have a trip to the carolinas in august but i think uh madison gets another result here and they finally get their goal differential pending tonight's result back above uh the negatives and into the positives.
2: I'm going to vary from you, this, so I'm going to go with the uh, Northern Co- um, Colorado hailstorm. Um, I think that they, uh, I think that they can grab a few points and start to work their way up the board and kind of continue to keep things tight in the in the playoff picture for League One.
0: Yeah, I kind of wanted to shout out uh, Northern Colorado coach Fahim Zayed, who's an Indy 11 legend. Um, On those Zayed era teams, their goalkeeper for Indy was Owen Fawn Williams, who's a Welshman. And he just he was with Northern Colorado to start the year as their goalkeeper coach and got a chance to move over to to Europe. And I think that's super neat to see someone from League One, like getting a legit uh, coaching job in a high level European competition. Uh, That said, I'm going to butter them up and then pick Madison. Madison is another team where I feel like much, as I said, with Charlotte, I feel like they're underperforming a little bit relative to some of the results they've deserved. So that's my logic there. And then we've got one that might be an easy pick, but two of the, uh colder teams in USL league one with FC Tucson and Northern or uh, North, North ugh, Wow. North Carolina FC.
1: Yeah. Uh, Interestingly, North Carolina hasn't won a game away from home since they beat FCT Sun back in May, uh, the start of May. But FCT Sun is still without a home victory this year, which is going to sound counterintuitive to me picking them to win. But it it just seems like at some point someone you have to pick up a victory at home. I think it's pretty certain that these two teams are going to miss the playoffs, but it it has to happen at some point, and I think they'll get a win this weekend.
2: Technically, it doesn't have to happen, but I, I, I totally get what you're saying. They're they're due, but uh, I'm, I'm going to go with, with North Carolina. I just don't think there's a lot going on for, for Tucson right now, and, and North Carolina can get the job done.
0: Yeah, I mean, Tucson's a lovely city. FC Tucson is a lovely club. This team isn't good, and I've got North Carolina winning this game, and I think North Carolina is due to rebound a little bit. So, I mean, simple as that, really. And that's all we've got as far as predictions. So exciting week, upcoming. The Open Cup match is big, but we've got four other Wednesday games in the championship. Uh, I guess just kind of keep it open-ended. throughout to you, Ryan. Any last thoughts, soccer or otherwise?
1: Uh, Excited for the Open Cup for tomorrow. I wish the best of luck to Sacramento. And let's hope that you guys do USL proud uh, win or lose. Yeah,
2: and I'll, I'll echo those thoughts. Um, always love the, the magic of the cup. Glad to see it back, and I hope to to see the USL in the finals. Um, I guess also kind of as far as the the league goes, we're we're kind of at a point now where we pretty much, not completely, but pretty much know who's in the playoff pictures. So it's real. I think now is the time of year where it's particularly interesting, where you see some of these top seeded teams uh, match play up against one each, uh, each other because those are potential playoff matches in the making. Since they're kind of set in their and their ways at this point, so I don't know. I particularly like this time of, of year when things kind of the pictures really starting to really come together.
0: Yeah, definitely fun for sure. Um, I'm digging the fact that it's minorly like transfer season in the USL, which you don't always get. Like the glut of moves has been fun to watch. Um, yeah. So that's been fun for me. Obviously the action on the pitch and I'll be rooting hard for the Republic tomorrow night. So any straight thoughts from you guys or are we good?
2: Now I just want to thank you guys for, uh, for allowing me the opportunity to join in. It's been a, been a lot of fun. Um, you know, this show is great. And I love talk I love talking about old things, soccer, and try to take in as much as I can.
0: Absolutely. Well, we've absolutely thank you for joining. having you here. Yeah. And we're yeah. excited to see you continue to show up to these sorts of things. All right, y'all. Well, go ahead and hit the outro then. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening back if you're on the podcast, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for watching another episode of the USL Show. This and every episode is brought to you by The Beautiful Game Network. Find podcasts and other written work at bgn.fm. Once again, thanks for stopping by, and we'll see you guys again next week.